feeling this. Gotta holler if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy. If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy. We gonna win in the end, yeah, we gonna live in abundance. Ooh, I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy. If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy. We gonna win in the end, yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish and Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Our top story, if you live in the city of Los Angeles, you may very soon notice a disruption of services, including trash pickup. A strike by 11,000 city workers is just seven hours away. And aside from sanitation services, workers at the ports and at Los Angeles International Airport are getting ready to walk off their jobs. Eyewitness News reporter Josh Haskell joins us live from LAX, where passengers might need to arrive extra early. Josh. Well, the first time in 40 years this is happening. The mayor says the city's not going to shut down. And if the absent workers here at LAX tomorrow don't make a difference, the picket line and the carpool caravan may. There are so many Angelinos on strike right now, it's hard to keep track, and that list is about to get longer. Although the members of these unions aren't all off the job at once, 11,000 City of L.A. workers will strike for 24 hours on Tuesday, joining 11,000 writers on strike, 160,000 actors, and 15,000 hotel workers. City employees are just fed up and tired of the disrespect. Symboya Wright is a VP at SEIU Local 721 and has worked for the City of Los Angeles Sanitation Department for over 20 years. We've uh, been there in the pandemic during the worst time um, that in, in both of our lives, I'm sure. Um, and we have been there. The city says thank you, but then um, don't want to, you know, uh, fast track uh, hiring and, and stuff like that. We need people are working overtime like crazy just to make sure that the city of Los Angeles stays afloat. And they've negotiated in bad faith, meaning that they've brought folks to the table that weren't able to even have the authority to settle a certain agreements. So there's multiple unfair labor practices that have been filed. In a statement, Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass said the city of Los Angeles is not going to shut down. My office is implementing a plan ensuring no public safety or housing and homelessness emergency operations are impacted by this action. Like I said over the weekend, the city will always be available to make progress with SEIU 721 and we will continue bargaining in good faith. Although Public safety and homeless services won't be impacted. Trash pickup will push back one day for city residents with normal services resuming August 14th. Parking enforcement and parks and rec will be impacted. By the way, this, this is the mayor. This is what the mayor looks like. The city mayor, of Los Angeles. Mayor. Remember that face, everybody. Remember that positions. face. The vacancies, uh, the um, retention, uh, all that. It's it's ridiculous. And 300 city employees who work at the Port of Los Angeles will also be on strike. Now, 98% of SEIU Local 721 members voted to authorize this strike. Again, it will last 24 hours. Hello, I'm Mark. Mr. Peter Gosling. <laughs> hey, my brother. Welcome back to the show, my guy. Uh, I'm very, very happy to see that we were able to have some time to talk because um, this is there's a lot going on and I would love to have your perspective on all these things, um, just labor oriented. Um, we are definitely seeing a time where the unions are getting empowered again. Um, it's 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 definitely showing that corporations have had too much power and the Democrats have said that they were pro-labor, but have always backed corporate. We saw that with the rail workers, especially. Um, and the fact that L.A. is literally a city where 
like there's thousands of workers that they need for hotels, sanitation, everything. And these people can't even afford to live in the city that they service. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Where, where, only put where, where up, people we? only put up with that for so long. <laughs> right. I think COVID is what really shown the it just basically took the, the band-aid right off. Well, especially the, the treachery of politicians calling people essential workers and then turning around and stabbing them in the back the minute it's all over or the minute they feel like it's all over. Right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that part. The whole essential workers calling everyone heroes and everything. <laughs> I guess they regretted that slogan. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm essential. Oh, you know, I really don't feel essential. I can't pay my bills. Maybe I should let them know how essential I should feel. <laughs> this was this is this is how they really learn. You know, this is how workers and bosses learn how essential somebody really is when they don't show up for work, and when they all don't show up for work together. That's that. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's what. That's what demonstrates it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So they said that this is forty years with LA. And LA is definitely um, on the radar already with the, the the Writers Guild, who I interviewed someone that um, they're not part of the Writers Guild, but they're getting their credits towards to join the Writers Guild. And a lot of great information. And then you got the Actors Guild coming, SAG coming on in. And then now we're hearing about the hotel workers again. And now we're hearing about um, the airport workers. It's like, it's like all of LA is just done. From now, there is there is one to... one thing in that uh, in that lead in. There's one thing that's incorrect about that though. Because mm-hmm. in 2007, the city of Los Angeles was shut shut down during a strike. It wasn't mm-hmm. a, it wasn't a strike of of unions per se, but during mm-hmm. a during the uh, uh, during the immigrant rights strikes, um, there were hundreds of thousands of people in Los Angeles and all over the all over Southern California uh, who, uh, who didn't show up for work. And it was turmoil. It literally it cost uh, industry uh, millions and millions of dollars because people refused to work. Um, and wow. that's really the model. That's really the model that everybody should be working from, because that was a day that was based entirely on solidarity among people because they had a common goal, which was their right as uh, as uh, mostly undocumented workers, but as immigrant workers, um, you know, they had a common goal and a common perspective. And it didn't matter what job you did. It didn't make any difference if you got paid, you know, the minimum wage or whether you got paid, you know, a decent wage. Um, that wasn't the deciding factor. The deciding factor was the decision that they were going to go out on strike. And I think a lot of these unions, frankly, I think uh, some of the, especially the younger organizers in these unions, they learn something from that. And that's what we're starting to, that's really coming to fruition. Uh, I mean, it was only not that long, it was what, 16 years ago. Uh, but um, uh, the a lot of people have said, and I think this is true, that mm-hmm. from really from 2008, 2007, 2008, the, the, uh, the global, uh, global recession, the global global capitalist economic crisis. Um, from that point until now, every time there's a struggle, sometimes the working class moves forward. Sometimes it doesn't move forward. Sometimes it loses. Sometimes it loses its ground in a serious way. But every mm-hmm. time it happens, the, the 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 resting temperature of the working class goes up. You know, people don't go back to where they were at the beginning. Right. They, they they always move forward at least somewhat and i think this is real this is proof of that um mm-hmm. you know to see the union to see sag after and the writers union and uh and the hotel workers and the airport workers um city workers to see all these people deliberately striking at the same time and acting in solidarity with each other is a really powerful message one of the strongest that we've seen in the united states in a long long time I wonder, looking at New York, um, why isn't there any like 
like huge tension compared to LA because New York is always the opposite um, side. Um, so it's like, I wonder why there isn't such a huge uh, tension of working solidarity and striking over the, over here um, compared to LA, you know? If you know anything about about that <laughs> well i mean one of certainly one of the big factors and and this is this is a factor in la right now too um you know it's not true for all of these workers but for some for instance mm -hmm. the city workers um anybody who's in a public sector job just about anywhere in the united states um it's illegal for them to strike so they not only have to decide right. that they put up with what the boss is giving them long enough and that they're prepared to do something about it they have to prepare be prepared to take that extra step to right. do something that potentially is is going to be treated as illegal. So that's something that has a really big factor. Um, you know, when you talk about the biggest union in New York City, it's a public sector. There's no question about that. Millions of people in the public sector. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, you know, there certainly are a lot of other major unions, but um, uh, but they're, they're a big piece of it. Um, so there is that. I mean, that part of it is... is is a little bit different um right. but you never know where these things are going to break out either because you know like uh when when the team when the uh, teamsters were getting ready to go out against ups yeah um, you know, there were par topic. parts of the country where there were parts of the country where the teamsters were really ready to go out on strike there was mm -hmm. no question places that you didn't always think about like you know in philadelphia um the teamsters in the philadelphia area were seriously prepared to put up a, to put up a fight, um, right. and of course that was true in a lot of other places too. Um, but uh, um, the fact that you were able to get what was it is ninety percent was it more than ninety percent of the membership that that voted in favor of yeah. a strike in the first place, which is amazing. Yeah. But then you think about what it means to have three hundred and eighty thousand workers decide that they're ready to go off the job that oh, yeah. is really amazing i mean what we're seeing in la you know is 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 very significant especially because of the cross-union solidarity um but there are some big players that we haven't even heard from yet um you know even even like the uaw is involved in contract negotiations right now um, you know, there are several other uh, unions in the in the trucking industry that are going to be affected by what happened to UPS. A lot of folks are saying that, um, that the next big move is going to be uh, the um, uh, truckers who work for Amazon, um, mm. which is going to be a, a something that's going to be pretty enormous. Some sectors, some sectors are workers who can be unionized. Some sectors are independent contractors who technically cannot legally have a union. I'm not saying that would stop them from having one, uh, yeah. but uh, but it may but it might be uh, the, that'll be like a different level of struggle. Um, so um, there's a lot there's just a lot going on right now. This is going to be the year that this is going to be the year that labor starts to move. Uh, there's no question about that. And just how yeah. fast it's going to move and how far it's going to move, we don't know yet, but. But this is going to be the year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Um, we're we're starting to see up um, in such a huge, dramatic way. Um, for instance, you know, I want I, I I want to play something real quick, <laughs> just so people could see. Though this is the the pro union, pro labor. Mr. President right here, you know, you mentioned something about Amazon. It's about, Mike, about providing dignity and respect for people who bust their neck. That's why I created the White House Task Force on Worker Organization Empowerment to make sure the choice to join a union belongs to workers alone. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, Amazon, here we come. Now I, I really, I I don't take him seriously. <laughs> oh my God, he wants to join the bandwagon so he can get votes. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he, he stabbed the railroad workers in the back. 
Yep. Uh, you know, left them, we're just really left them bleeding. I mean, it was a union where workers didn't, workers did not even have sick days. Um, and he stabbed them in the back and, uh, and they got, they got screwed over for it. I mean, they still got a, some improvements in their contract, but they basically, they got screwed over because the president said he was going to support them. And then he maneuvered so that he could, so he could get out of it. Um, you know, this is one of the things that, there are places, I mean, you know, I'm thinking about this lately and I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people, a lot, you and I know, there's a lot of folks who know a lot about a few things, right? Like, right. I think I know a lot about what's going on in the labor movement. I know a lot about workers' rights. I don't know a lot about rapid climate change. I don't necessarily know a lot about, uh, you know, the best way to organize healthcare. But what's interesting to me is that when I talk to people who are about climate change, I talk to people who are about healthcare. I talk to people who have all these other areas of expertise. We all agree that in the area we know the most, Biden has just totally screwed us over. Yes. And a lot of people are kind of like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess he's doing okay. People say he's doing good things. Like, yeah, he's always telling people that he's doing good things. But the people who are most affected by it are the ones who are getting screwed over. Yeah, I have a co-worker who was in two unions. He's in the rail workers union, and he's also in my union. He works a night shift, um, great, uh, graveyard shift. I feel, feel for, for this brother. He works so freaking hard. And he told me exactly, like, how the rail workers felt. He told me how he felt. And not, none of it was positive. And he's not yeah. going to vote for Biden again. And I told him, vote for Cornell Rest. You know, this will be a good protest vote. We should, we should, we should definitely vote for somebody that has our ideas in line. And he said, no, he's going to vote for Trump. And I tried so hard to talk him out of it. <laughs> but this is what you're doing, Biden. And, and, and people are literally like giving excuses online, especially on TikTok. Um, one lady said, oh, a lot of the railroad workers are are right wing. They don't deserve the rights since they want to vote for rights against them. And I'm like, you you don't really understand how foolish you sound. <laughs> you don't really get how foolish you sound. Like that, that that's a narrative. It has come to the point where if you are somebody that aligns with some something against your politics, then you should be held responsible and persecuted since you don't agree with them. That's that's a very problematic cult mentality that the media has curated. I definitely yeah. the media. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, one of the things about the current political situation in this country, as it affects working people, you know, for years and years, there is sort of this layer of the, the, the talking heads in the media. I guess we're talking heads at the moment, right? But the right, real talking heads, <laughs> like the, the multi-million dollar talking heads, yeah. uh, you know, the newspaper editors, the New York guy. Times, the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, all of these right. people um, and this whole layer of intellectuals and, and white collar professionals underneath them, all of whom have been doing just fine. You know, they didn't lose their homes during the eviction crisis in 2008, 2009. You know, right. they have health care. They have pensions when they retire. They're yep. doing just fine. And they're the ones who keep on telling everyone that, well, gee, look, how, look at how great things are since Biden came into office. Look how much things have improved. And it's like, well, maybe things have improved for them. They haven't improved for the great majority of working people. And right. the great majority of working people can see it. And the thing that's different from what has happened in the past is that now a lot of those people, a lot of working folks, um, have more of a voice because of mass social media, um, you know, have more of a voice and are able to get out there and say, no, things aren't better for me. You know, during the, I mean, I think about over the last couple of years, right? All of a sudden, parents can't buy baby formula, you know, right. for several months. And, uh, you know, the president comes on and he says, everything's just fine. It doesn't make any difference. They still can't buy baby formula, right? Um, you know, uh, they, they have, they're going to be profiling how great Biden did at, ending the um the uh, the the pandemic but the statistics show that more workers died 
during the time that he was in office yeah. and after the after the um uh the um uh they were starting to give out the vaccines more people died on his watch than when trump was president now look yeah. i hate trump just as much as anybody and yeah. uh, you know there's few people that i would i certainly got can't say that that I can't say that Biden's not a nicer person than Trump, but you know, when you want to buy baby formula, you're not going to be thinking about who's the nicer person. You're going to be thinking about who makes sure that you can get things on the shelves that you need. And right. if neither one of the candidates, if neither the Republicans nor the Democrats can do that, people are going to be looking elsewhere. I mean, that's just, that's yeah. how it works, right? Yep. And it's on the Democrats. Um, and which is hilarious that Chris Cuomo have actually said that after being such a sheep for so long, he's like, it's their fault that we can't have, we ha can't find candidates that actually help the people. We, it, it's their fault. And, and, and this, this is the conversations that like, I have to repeat myself all the time, especially, you know, when, when I supported your camp campaign, people were mad at, at us, Peter. And I told them straight up. Well, you should be mad at the Democrats for not giving out a better alternative. And Peter Gosselin took 2,000 votes from the motherfucker. So <laughs> it's on them. Not Peter, not the PSL, not the Green Party. <laughs> That's it's their fault that Peter got 2,000 people. That's it. <laughs> be like, hey, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. And that's just what it is. You know, you got this person like DeSantis that wants to talk shit about immigrants. And now look what's happening, Peter. The immigrants are like, okay, who's going to do your roofs? Yep. This is this is how politicians ruin things. <laughs> this is how they Yeah, ruin. because they, 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 they believe, I mean, this is true for both the leading Democrats and leading Republicans. They believe that they can just keep on saying things and saying them and that somehow that makes them real and somehow that it makes them work out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, Biden comes into office and, and we're being told, well, be sure to vote for Biden because he's anti-war. You know, how long does it take before, during his administration, before we're involved in a major war? And not just one, I mean, right. Jesus. You know, we're there. First of all, there's all the all indications the United States is already starting to pull back from Ukraine. Right. But yeah. one day it was it was we're going to fight this to the last Ukrainian. Now it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe that's maybe you're not going to necessarily stay in there that long or give them that much money because we got other places we got to spend that money. So like we can have a war in Taiwan or so we can have a war in northern Africa. Right. Um, you know, there's plenty of other places. Turns out there are plenty of other places they need to fight wars too, and uh, and and they aren't necessarily. These people are not necessarily loyal to their allies. I mean, look, if Biden was disloyal to the railroad railway workers unions who supported him to get him elected here in this country, how loyal do you really think he's going to be to a foreign government? How much right. time do you really think he's going to spend? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. No matter what happens to my political career, I want you to know I'm going to stick by you. Like, no, right. that does not happen. Right. And how paranoid, not paranoid, but the parallels. I said paranoid. How parallel, the how, how much of a parallel this is to see what working people are dealing with overseas, especially dealing with uh, Africa, where literally they have a pipeline going through Nigeria, for instance, and that pipeline does not serve the people of Nigeria. It serves the people of the West. So we're their resources, and they're always being poor. The, the same conditions that you, I'm not going to say that poverty is the same here in the United States. Poverty is dr dramatically, drastically different from what poverty is in Africa compared to poverty here in the United States. Let's get mm. that. I'll the open so nobody say, oh, he's trying to compare poverty, but. What I'm saying is that the workers and, and the and, and the people that are for providing the wealth for the West are seeing their conditions not changing. The workers in the United States that are providing the wealth for this for these Western powers as well too, they are seeing their conditions not changing. In fact, they have to go three hours out or two hours out of the city that they serve just so they can have some kind of standard of stability of living. 
instead of being instead of not being able to live in the city that they choose to live in where they where they work at and it it, it literally shows the parallels of just the exploitation of working people abroad and just like it, what chase said you know i don't want to get really too into the the socialist uh theory but what chase said was actually right the working class has no borders and that's why we need to like stand in solidarity to everyone that has this type of aggression with ousting out western backed governments and ousting out western powers because at the end of the day where did they learn it from they learned that they could take their businesses and go to china and 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 and, and literally give them pennies and then they learned oh look at all the profits that we're making off of that let's do the same thing here inflation changes all the time but wages never change ever mm -hmm. and and profits profits are the unpaid wages of the proletariat so all we're asking for is give us more fucking money <laughs> you already more of the it. money that we earn you have profits right <laughs> the profits should be going towards the working class and it's 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 that simple people it's very that simple it's not rocket science they go they, they make these complicated articles and lie oh we created all these jobs they do that to fool you what's very simple is that exploitation you are being exploited no matter how much you try to call yourself a capitalist you are not a capitalist you are a worker mm. <laughs> well one thing about you know, one thing about the situation uh, now that I think is different, uh, it has become different over the last few years. And again, I think you're right that, you know, the, the pandemic may very well be part of this is that mm -hmm. uh, when I talk to people, it seems to me that there are a lot fewer folks. There are, there are a lot fewer folks who believe that things are better in contrary to their personal experience. Like they know like I, I don't know any working people who think, oh yeah, you know what? When you go into the store, uh, ever since Biden took on inflation, uh, when you go into the store, uh, things aren't more expensive. Well, they are more expensive. I mean, oh god, and, no, yeah, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, and I hear them, and I hear these talking points, and the talking points are sort of like, okay, do you really think like either people don't really understand what they're saying? or they think that they can get other people to believe this foolishness, right? One mm -hmm. of the big things about, um, uh, uh, about Biden and the economy, this is the mm -hmm. one I like best. Last year, uh, inflation was at the rate of 14%. Right. And now it's only at the rate of 3%. And they make it sound like that means that like, the prices, the price, prices do not continue. I mean, 3% inflation doesn't mean that things ever got cheaper. It just means right. it got really expensive and now it's just getting expensive a little bit more slowly. Right. Uh, That's they, what they're saying. <laughs> right. And, and, and we are not benefiting from this. And I don't know very many people who really believe that we are. Like I said, I think there's this layer of people who, because they themselves are insulated, they themselves are not having this experience. Um, right. They can believe those stories. But I just believe I just think that the great majority of people don't don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, one thing the conversations with the work with the working class of my job, I say working class as if like I'm a study in the working class with fellow workers at my job. You know, they always make the joke and they're like, "Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Under Trump, I had more money. I did." And I'm like, "God, you're right. You did." But he was still screwing over the workers. Right. Here's an article I, I, I read. Let me show you, you know, but it's like it's so bad to the point that people are like at this point, they're like, man, let's just bring the orange guy back. And and that's 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 not good for Biden. <laughs> that he's ignored it. What, what they said, food groceries go up to like 40 percent now on prices. I mean, right, like we, right. me and my partner spend an arm and a leg just to just to keep food in the house and it was it was less than that before and it's like oh my god like 400 dollars sometimes like <laughs> we you know we've been watching uh you know in the hartford area um there has been an enormous number of 
apartments being constructed and the typical rates, the average rates in these new units are easily a thousand dollars more than they were, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And it really is at the point where um, it's, it's almost we're at the point where we're building new housing instead of, instead of housing people, building new yeah. housing is actually creating more homeless people uh, right. because, because the rents that they want are higher and higher and higher and people right. simply can't afford it. Uh, and there are people who simply don't have those options anymore. Like they're, they're either putting too many people in a, in a tiny apartment um, or they're getting behind on their rent and trying to figure out ways of, you know, making do or not paying some other bills uh, or they're, you know, they're couch surfing, you know, with, with little kids sleeping in their cars. Um, you know, the tent cities are getting bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. Oh, this was the one I liked. Now, this is, a, this is the headline. And it's one of those things. It's like when you see a headline in like ruling class newspapers, New York times or any of the major uh, media, there are things that I can just tell when I look at it, it's like the person who proofread this and said, yeah, this is a good headline obviously has no idea at all what they're at, what they're talking about. Like they have no concept of what's <laughs> going on in the real world. So this mm -hmm. was the headline. So there's a headline and a byline. The headline was California is cracking down on its homeless. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, and then the, 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 the byline underneath it was Democrats are cracking down on tent cities. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is kind of incredible. I mean, what you're telling us is that there are more, there are in fact, more and more people who are homeless and more and more people living in tent cities and right. that it's be, and that it's become a problem that in many cities has become incredibly unmanageable. Los right. Angeles has been using conducting these like vicious police sweeps of, uh, of, of tent cities for a long time. San Francisco is, has a liberal mayor and, and has always kind of tried to take this neutral position uh, mm -hmm. around the, the tent cities. And now he's saying, yeah, you know what, we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to start cracking down on them. And they can kind of openly acknowledge without seeming to be aware of it, that the cities that are having these problems, like most major cities in the United States are run by Democrats. And there are more and more poor people living in those cities. And there are more and more homeless people in those cities. Um, and the same people who will tell you that their values are against things like homelessness. They want to, you know, they, they feel real bad about the fact that people are homeless. Um, so what are they going to do? They're going to crack some heads. They're going to bring the police in They crack some heads um, and get homeless people off the street and out of the tent cities. And, um, you know, uh, so what's going to happen to those people instead? They're, they're not going to disappear. Uh, no. you know, they, they're either going to go to some other city or to some other neighborhood, um, or they're going to continue to get beat up by the police on a periodic basis, which is certainly what's been happening most often, especially in places like LA. This is, this isn't a problem that can be solved by sending in cops to beat people up. Um, but it's clear that the Biden administration has no other plan for, no for dealing with the problem of, of homelessness, yeah, uh, they, it, they they have they don't even pretend that they have a plan. No. Um, so, <laughs> nope. I guess the biggest thing they have going for them is that is that for the most part, most homeless people don't vote because they've already given up on the system. Uh, right. And I guess for them, that must be that for the Democrats, that must be an advantage because frankly, if all folks living in these tent cities were allowed were voting in the presidential elections. I doubt very much. I doubt very much they'd be voting for Biden. Yeah, yeah, and and a, and and not voting for Biden means that you support Donald Trump. That's that's, that's right. That's right. That's, that's the most say. important thing to understand. <laughs> that, that not supporting somebody who's doing a really lousy job um, is supporting the guy who you really who is even worse. <laughs> you know, the, there there is one thing that uh, I I thought that. Um, not surprisingly, this is something we're going to hear an awful lot about in connection to the um, 
uh, Cornell West's campaign for president. I, I, he made a comment the other just recently that I thought was, mm -hmm. it really helped me to formulate how to talk about this issue in a way that uh, that had not really occurred to me before. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that Cornell West has been saying openly, which I give him a lot of credit, I mean, he's he's still, you know, I mean, he's politically on the fringe, but he is a very well-known public intellectual. He's one, one of the, probably one of the best-known public intellectuals in the United States. And yeah. so he has been saying, yeah, you know, the Republicans are basically fascists. And uh, and so people are like, well, in that case, why don't you support Biden? And, well, because because Biden's not strong enough to beat the fascists. And mm. and I've been thinking about that a lot. That when people tell mm. you, well, gee, you've got to fight. You you know what? You've got to vote for Biden because otherwise the fascists are going to win. It's like, no, I, I don't believe that Biden. I don't believe Biden can stop fascism. I, mm. I don't believe, believe there's anything that he or the Democratic Party leadership can do that's going to prevent the victory of fascism in this country. I believe that we can beat the fascists, but it's not going to happen because of anything that Biden does. No, right. I agree. I agree. And, and and the only way that we can beat them is either we, as a working class, take the power or, you know, we, you know, put in or try to legitimately, like, legitimately put in a third party. There's 47% of undecided voters. So a lot of them are pro third party. I think this is a big time for that type of third party um like solidarity and, and and movement to to go in. I mean, you see, you see the uh, the ruling class is already thinking about that with this no labels. They're not a party or they are oh, yeah, party, yeah. whatever. You know, they they already they see that. They did the research. They're learning that the whole two party system is unpopular at this point, very unpopular. Yeah. So well, they're like, what can we do? How can we re how could we re repivot? And I'm gonna tell you one thing about the right. The right is very freaking weird with their philosophies, but what makes them stronger than the left is that they are like this. They're sure. like this. They are together. The left is very fragmented, and I don't even consider liberals as the left. We already we already know this. They they're more moderate, more more um, center. Conservative Democrats like Biden. Biden is a conservative Democrat. He's not a socialist. Right. I hate when they say that. That's an insult <laughs> on anybody like us. <laughs> well, you know, like but, <laughs> but you know, that's a that's a real one of the that's a really good point because you know the best way of trying to understand what's going on in American politics is to look at how American politics looks to the rest of the world. But there there is there is no one. Okay, that may have difference who they are. There is no one in the world who believe outside the United States borders who actually believes that Joe Biden is a socialist. Yeah, nobody right. believes. Nobody believes that. They're like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, a, "He's a like a a, a centrist, you know, so center right politician." In any other country, he'd be in some coalition with a group of you know, groups of people who are fighting about like. Uh, you know how much they hate the immigrants, and uh, and what what do you what do we do in order to in order to uh, impose more austerity on working people? Uh, how can we make the you know retirement age uh, you know a couple of years later? Um, yep. That that those are the those are his counterparts in other countries, um, not not socialists, not even not even moderate socialists, not even like yep. social democrats like in Scandinavia or something like that. Right. Um, even they are far to the left of the Democratic Party. Yep. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, when people don't, when when you want to kind of check it, and maybe this is something that the, part of the problem is that uh, Americans, American working people, one of the things that we have failed to do over and over again is to recognize the fact that working people in other countries have insight into what's going on here. You know, I mean, you know, during the civil rights era, one of the reasons that the United States government passed civil rights legislation in the 1960s, in the 1960s, in 63, 64, 65, one of the main reasons they passed that legislation was because it was a big political problem for them that 
they were claiming to be all for freedom. The United States was for freedom. It was for democracy. Uh, and, uh, and it was against communism. And look at how evil the communists are. Communists all over the place are try trying to take over everything. And meanwhile, politicians from all over the world would come to the United States, uh, in, you know, for conferences or as ambassadors or whatever. And they would cross that bridge over from DC into Alexandria. And all of a sudden it'd be like, well, you can't, you can't, you can't sit in this restaurant. What, what, what do you what do you think? We don't have black people. Black people can't sit in this restaurant. Right. And they was like, what are you what are you talking about? I'm like the ambassador of a nation, you know, that's like bigger than this state. Uh, what do you mean? I can't sit in this restaurant. Well, that's the way things are here. Uh, and that was such an embarrassment to, to American politicians. Soviet Union was openly saying we're against racism. We, we're sending aid to Africa. We're sending aid to Asia. Um, we want these countries to prosper. We want to have good relationships with them. We, we want to have, make peace with them. And the United States is saying, well, yeah, but we're all about freedom and democracy and equality, only not for people that look like you, black folks, uh, right. or, you know, or Asians or Latinos or whatever. Um, and that was a major factor in, uh, in passing civil rights legislation was that the rest of the world was looking at the United States and saying, what you're doing bears no resemblance to what you say you're doing. Contradictions as hell. That's just so, yeah. that's literally just American history. The contradictions. That's it. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. But right now, that's what, that's what, that's what people in the United States should be doing right now. Looking right. around at the world and saying, what do, what do working people in Europe, what do working people in uh, Latin America and Africa and Asia what do people in other parts of the world see when they look at the United States? Do they see a nation that is all about supporting freedom and democracy? Or do they see a nation that can't even provide housing for its own citizens, um, mm. can't even provide basic human rights health care, can't even provide health care for its own people, um, and spends enormous amounts of money to engage in wars, whether they're cold wars or lukewarm wars or hot wars against other nations all over the world. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're looking at what they see when they look at when they look at the United States, it, it's it, it's it's miles away from what we've been told to believe. Yeah. Um, and and that's, you know, they they have a they have a better perspective, frankly. They have a more truthful perspective because they don't have a stake in it. Most people in the world aren't looking at it saying, yeah, boy, I'm really worried about, I'm really worried about, you know, what happens to those working people in the United States or what happens with those politicians in the United States. They're looking at it and just saying, how is what happens to their, what the kind of decisions they make, the politicians that they elect, what kind of impact will that have on the people in my country? Um, and I'm looking at them and seeing, well, gee, you know, you've got these one group of really bad politicians and another group of really bad politicians and no one who seems to be looking out for working people's interests there. Why do you all do this? Why do you keep on, you know, why do you, why do you keep on voting for these people? Why do you continue to accept these political leaders who won't take care of your most basic needs, but will spend millions and millions, billions of dollars uh, on, on the military to dominate the rest of the world? Yeah. And, and and we're running out of time, but that is such a great thing that you that you brought up because it literally gives puts things in perspective that if I want to really say that I am a true patriot and I go overseas and I want to give everybody this great idea of American patriotism and all this stuff like that, does my country reflect the values that I'm going to say? And Starch, starch reminder is that no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the starch. All right, but before we run out of time, yeah, we have to. We, I mean, because just because the the timing is right, you don't want to let this period this pass, right? Before we run out of time, we have to give a shout out to people in Montgomery, uh, uh, down yeah. down 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 there on the dock in Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> that's some that's some powerful shit. Um, oh, and man. that fight was crazy. <laughs> that, that was that was something else that was something else but again you know again if you want to if you want to illustrate to people 
like how the media lies to you, right? Yeah. I went through and I made this list. I went through and like all the headlines for all these major news outlets. Every single one of them was talk, talking about this brawl that took place in, you know, on the dock in, in Montgomery. The brawl. Yeah. There was a big brawl. Nobody knows why there was a brawl, but there was a brawl. Every single <laughs> time they use the word brawl, right? And yeah. then you look at the, the, the Guardian, which is based in which is based in England. Their headline was uh was um fight breaks out as whites attack black uh dock worker like because that's obviously when you look at the video right you know well that's what happened that's, that's what it wasn't saw, it yeah. wasn't a brawl <laughs> they, they 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 you know this guy was trying to do his job and and these drunken idiots decided that they were going to gang up on it like hey you know what there's there's a half a dozen of us and there's only one of you and and it is montgomery alabama after all um so maybe we just you know what maybe you just have to do what we say and right. he was I mean, he was really courageous i mean he really stood up for himself but yeah. um but it was incredible it was incredibly powerful seeing uh, a situation like that and seeing a lot of people immediately respond to it um and take it seriously and come to his support um you know and i've and, never saw anything like that yeah like, i think that's the first time that I see, because usually I see people get jumped and like maybe their friends will help, but literally like just people from all over the dock just and they were just running. Out. I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, right. what's going? This is the other thing is I think about this whenever. How many times do people talk about this? Like somebody gets being is being picked on on the subway in New York or whatever, and people are right. all kind of like you know watching really carefully, see what's going to happen, and you right. know, but they don't actually do anything about it. Um, yeah. And and immediately he shouted for help, and immediately people showed up to defend him and protect him. And the video, I think, I, I, the everybody, I mean, everybody's talking about this, but the piece of it that I get, yeah. I love the best, is the video that was being taken from the from the uh, the ferry boat, right? Um, and this fight breaks out, and just as other people are starting to arrive. There goes this guy, like this goes his brother, like off the side of the boat, swimming to swimming to the dock, <laughs> and getting right up on there and jumping into it. I mean, yeah. that's like you know, that's the that's the exact opposite of like the American way, right? That's the exact <laughs> opposite of like, oh yeah, well this isn't really my problem. Right, Somebody right. will come and sort this out, you know? I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what's happening, so I don't want to. I just can't like get involved in this. This guy's like, no, I'm going to, I saw it. I saw what happened. He's there. He's trying to do his job. And these guys jumped him. And I'm not going to let that happen. By the way, to be able to swim (laughs) all the way over there and still have enough energy to um, fight. I'm like, dude, this, this kid's like Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was impressive. The question. It was impressive. He took his shoes off and everything too. He's like, "Oh, my sneakers are messed up. I can't fight with these sneakers. I gotta take them off." Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, I mean, look, like that. The guy that started that fight, he's a teacher, and that that says a lot. Well, I would not want my kids being taught by someone like that. That you are ready to go into a full altercation, even if you're drunk. I don't care if you're drunk. All the more so if you're drunk. Right. Like, you chose to make a full altercation out of all this. Yeah. And you were in the wrong the whole time. Like, that's like me parking by the bus stop. And I know I'm not supposed to park by the bus stop. So the bus blocks me in because I'm in the bus stop's parking spot. Do I have the right to go into the bus and beat up the driver? (laughs) Because basically... That's basically what he did. He decided to go yeah. beat up the driver. <laughs> no, it ain't right. And I, I hope he learned his lesson. And I hope he got dinged real good to learn his lesson. <laughs> well, it looks like the, it looks like a bunch of the whole bunch of them did. Um, and uh, there is something. Look, it's not that it's not that it would necessarily have automatically have a racial component to it but it's just really hard not to feel a certain way when you see mm-hmm. this happen and then you see afterwards a video or, or the photograph afterwards showing these like four uh four sunburned white guys uh uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh handcuffed 
handcuffed to the rail of the dock there while the cops are, are booking them. And, and I'm looking at that and thinking, you know, if, if they had beat the shit out of this guy and nobody did anything and they just yeah. left him laying there, you know, the cops would be like, well, gee, what do you want us to do? I mean, we didn't see it. We don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, uh, what, what do you want us to go after those guys who are perfectly nice, respectable young men? They're just yeah. out to having a good time, you know? Um, but they are being, the police were forced to come on the right side because there were people there who saw everything that happened and they spoke up and they took part in it. And that changed the d- dynamic of the whole situation. And yeah. yeah, clearly, I mean, these, these, these people, the people who started this, they did not see that coming. They did not think that's how it was going to go down. Nope. And this is Alabama, ladies and gentlemen. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just don't forget what state this started in. <laughs> well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Um, this was really good. And this I hope that a lot of people learn a lot of new things from the conversation that we had, because I think this was a very good, informative conversation. Um, so I would like Thank you so much for just taking the time to come on my little show, man. I really, really. No, appreciate it's my it. pleasure. I I always love coming on your show. I think we always have a really good time, uh, yeah. and uh, and I and I hope, yeah, I hope that uh, uh, I hope that we can get the message out to people. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I want to. I also want to um, let everybody know to like, share, follow. Um, the, the the conversation I had with um, Saeed, a uh, comrade from uh, Pakistan, USA, Peace Forum, that was very, I, I saw a lot of very good, well-received messages. Um, and thank you so much for tuning into that because that is definitely another working class issue in Pakistan that's been mm-hmm. brewing for a long time. And we need to stand in solidarity with them. And, you know, Imran Khan may be, sentence but they will find somebody else to to rally the people that that struggle would not end and definitely stand aside there with pakistan so they're very important so with with that i want everybody to have a good day and i'll talk to you later peter gosler thank you so much for coming on all right take care good night Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. Ayy, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Ayy, we gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. Ayy, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Ayy, we gonna win in the end. We gonna, we gonna, we gonna, I gotta keep it a hundred, we gotta stop all the stunting, you know we coming from nothing, yo you talking about money you bluffing, we gotta do something different, we gotta change how we living, we gotta do better for women, we gotta do better for children, we gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian, it doesn't matter your religion, you gotta stand against the system, or else you just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling?